Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Hey guys, we are in a sermon series right now called From the Ashes. Because sometimes we can be broken, we can be shattered, and it feels like as though if our life is nothing more than a pile of burned up ashes. But I have some good news. We can learn from Jesus' life, His death, and His resurrection, and we can experience new life as well. You know, today we're going to be focusing on sacrifice we're going to be talking about the sacrifice of Jesus and, and the impact His humility had on all of us and humankind. Let's open up with some prayer. Father, we thank You for Your goodness and Your grace. And Lord, Your example of humility and sacrifice for all of us. Lord, help us to see and to hear what You want us to see and hear today. In Jesus' holy name, Amen. Well, let me illustrate the idea of sacrifice uh, through a story I want to share with you. Well, his name is John Robert Fox. Now, he's the recipient of the Gold Star. He was born in Cincinnati, Ohio, back in May of 1915. On all accounts, he was bright, he was smart, he was a diligent man, and he earned a place at a, of Wilburn Force University. Now, there he... Well, he signed up to be a part of the reserves in the officer training corps. He finished his college degree and actually became a second lieutenant because of his studies. Well, the war came and he joined the 92nd Infantry Division, a segregated division for African Americans. And there he fought with distinction throughout the conflict. It's 1944, and he found himself fighting against the Nazis one day there in Italy in a small village close to Tuscany. And the village became overrun by the Nazis. And the Americans were on retreat. He found a way to get cover in a house, got onto the second floor, got a hold of the radio, and he called in an artillery strike on the village, more specifically upon his direct location. And in that, the guy goes, what are you talking about? That's your direct, where, where do you want me to go? Because that's you. you don't. He goes, no, there's more of them than of us. Fire away, fire away. And they did. He lost his life, but his sacrifice was not in vain because he knew that because the Americans were retreating, if they could bomb right there, that they would have enough time for the Americans to regroup and relaunch a counter strike. And they were successful in doing so. When they came to the village, the American soldiers went through all, all the carnage. And there they saw Robert, John Robert Fox. But around him were over 100 dead German Nazis. The sacrifice of John Roberts gave 
life. He gave opportunity and victory to his fellow soldiers. But the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, (laughs) he also gives life and opportunity and victory to all those who believe in him. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through verse 8. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. See, the sacrifice of Christ is so completely sufficient that there's no need for any other work to be done for you and for me and for any person before, now, or ever in the future. We have all already covered humility in week two of this sermon series. So I'm not going to belabor the point, but I do want to make this emphasis. I want us to recognize that wherever there is sacrifice, like what we saw with Jesus, like what we saw with Fox, wherever we find sacrifice, there is humility. Christ, Christ's willingness, willingly gave up heaven to come down to earth as a sacrifice for my sin, for your sin. He did not hold on to this position and power, but instead laid it down to be a humble servant and give up his life on the cross for all of us. He knew the order in order to rescue the world from the curse of sin, it would cost him his life. Wow. What sacrifice. Church, if you're going to follow in the footsteps of Christ, which is what it means to be a disciple, then you're going to experience personal sacrifice. Thankfully, Jesus was very straightforward about explaining this and telling this to us in the Gospels. Now listen to Jesus' own words from Luke chapter 4. Now this text, i got to be honest with you, it's incredibly difficult. It's hard. It's hard for the average believer to try to embrace this text. But let's read it. Luke 14, start in verse 25. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. What? Verse 27. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down 
And consider whether he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he's not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot, cannot be my disciples. This is admittedly one of the more difficult passages in the New Testament. Jesus is challenging us to give up family and plans and positions in the process of discipleship. Another way to say it, to paraphrase the, the lesson of this passage is say, you have to be willing to let go of everything as you follow Christ. See, Jesus knew that most of the crowd here in this passage were not the least bit interested in the cost of being a true follower, being a true disciple of Jesus. See, some were following him because they heard about him doing miracles and maybe they wanted to see one or hopefully they would be able to get a miracle. Others had heard about how Jesus fed the thousands and maybe they were there just so they could get a free meal. And yet others were coming along because they were hoping that Jesus would cause a revolt against the Romans and against the Roman oppression so that they could have the new Jewish kingdom. And Jesus literally turned. He turned to the crowd and he shared something that would deliberately thin out the size of the crowd. Jesus made it clear that when it comes to true personal discipleship, He requires loyalty versus loitering. Don't just be hanging out here if you're not going to be loyal to the cause of Christ. Wow. In the matter of saving lost souls, let's not be confused. Jesus wants His house to be full. He wants no one to be out. He wants everyone to be a part of the kingdom of God. To be saved. But in the matter of personal discipleship. Did you catch that? In the matter of personal discipleship, Jesus wants only those who are willing to pay the price. The price of sacrifice. Jesus is making a distinction between salvation and the distinction from salvation from discipleship. Salvation is open to all who will come to Him by faith. While discipleship is for believers willing to pay the price of the cross. Salvation means coming to the cross and trusting Jesus Christ. Discipleship means carrying the cross and following Jesus Christ. Discipleship is a very serious matter. To begin with, we must love Christ supremely, even more than we love our own flesh and blood. The word hate, it gets really confused in this, in this text, in this passage. Let me try to bring some clarification to it. The word hate is not referring to some kind of antagonism, but rather to love less. 
Meaning that our love for Christ must be so strong that all other people that we may love, it looks like hatred in comparison. Jesus gave some parables to explain, to expound on, as to why He requires such a high cost from His followers, from His disciples. The man building the tower, the king going to war. Now, the usual interpretation is that the believer is to be represented as the man building the tower, or the king is to be represented as the believer in that story as well. But I agree with a guy by the name of G. Campbell Morgan. Yeah, he was born in 1963. He passed away in 1945. He was a British evangelist, preacher, and author. And he takes a completely different approach to this passage. He speaks that in, this, in these parables that Jesus uses, that the builder, that the king, is not the believer, but actually Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is the one who must count the cost to see whether the believer is the kind of material he can use to build the church and to battle the enemy of our soul. Jesus cannot get the work of the kingdom done with just some half-hearted followers who are not willing to sacrifice, not willing to suffer. If Christ sacrificed Himself to bring redemption, to bring salvation, then as disciples, we're going to need to do the same as we share the good news of the gospel with others. Many of you, you're familiar with this verse from Galatians. And let, let me read it. Galatians 2, verse 20. And it goes, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. Now, this verse is so succinctly describes uh, our position with Christ and our engagement with the world around us. Yes, discipleship and sacrifice can be difficult. Yes, there will be opposition. There will be suffering. And yes, God will be with you always. In fact, He lives in you. He's empowering you to live the life of faith, even beyond the sacrifices, even beyond the pain and the suffering. So as hard as it is to let go of things that we value and to make those sacrifices, don't forget that He's with you. See, biblical sacrifice, it takes courage. It takes conviction. It takes confidence. It takes faith. But it's always, always worth it. Think about the last time you went on a, I don't know, a service project or on a missions trip. You sacrificed time and energy and money to serve and to be a blessing to someone that you may not even know. And you know what? <laughs> I'm confident it felt amazing. I'm confident you walked away 
having experience of fullness that was different than what maybe you've ever felt before. I remember uh, one Mexico trip that I went on. Um, I don't know, we, we were gone for maybe a week or so, and we built a two-story house. Now, they had already put down the uh, foundation for us, and basically it was like a, a T-111, you know, like a plywood house, and uh, very stout, very sturdy, um, some basic electricity and, and all those kinds of things. And I'll tell you something. You know, being on top of that roof and talking with some other uh, Bible students and just ministering to them. And then came the day when all the work, we worked so many long hours. Just exhausted when we got back to base. And then the day came where we had the keys and we brought them housewarming gifts and we laid hands on them and we prayed over their home and we blessed them. There was not a dry eye around. We were all just weeping and crying for the joy of all the sacrifice the whole team gave. And here, this pastor and his wife, they were weeping with gratitude. You see, it's always worth it. When we trade our self-centered desires and our wants for a life of discipleship, of serving others, the sacrifices we make have tremendous meaning. They have tremendous purpose. They have tremendous fulfillment. Those sacrifices that are made for people that have that those faces won't be forgotten. And they have names. They're real people. Without the sacrifice of Jesus, there is no salvation. There's no hope. And without the sacrifice of the saints, of the body of Christ, who have gone before us, there would be no church today. Sacrifice is part of the DNA of the followers of Christ. It's part of our DNA as Christians. Sacrifice. It's so powerful. It can change the outcome of a battle like the story of John Robert Fox. It can change someone's life who's needing a helping hand up instead of a hand out. It can redeem someone's eternity. No matter how hard life has been, no matter how far from God you may feel that you are today, no matter how irredeemable you believe your life is, the sacrifice of Christ was completely sufficient, which means your life is not beyond repair. And today is a good day. A good day to rise above the sin and the shame of our lives and accept the gift of God and what He's given us through the blood of Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son. Well, let's talk a little bit about Palm Sunday. Because it was a reference point of something else. 
You know, 2,000 years ago, the Sadducees had a tradition in which they believed the Messiah would show up four days before Passover. So they actually kept the gate open of the temples during that time so that he could walk right in to his rightful place. The Romans would have had all their troops on alert and they would all be active on this particular day because they were fearful that there could be some kind of religious fanatical ideology and they were ready in case there was going to be a revolt. Very, very tenseful day on this day. And the triumphal entry, what we call Palm Sunday, this happened to be that exact prophetic day that Jesus would come on the donkey. This was that day that was a fulfillment of the prophecy from Zechariah in chapter 9, verse 9. You can read that on your own. So this triumphal entry in Jerusalem, what we would call the very first Palm Sunday, turns out to be something really of a spinoff of the Maccabean revolt. That was about 150 years from the day that Jesus was on his donkey. Now Judas Maccabeus had led the Israeli victory over the Syrian occupation. The Syrian ruler, Antichopus, had killed thousands of Jews. And he had desecrated the temple. And literally, he sacrificed a pig. Now remember, the Jews do not eat. That's considered unclean, that kind of an animal. And not only did he sacrifice it, but he made that meat be consumed by the priests themselves. It was, it was horrible. And then Judas Maccabeus organized this revolt and he was successful. He had a nickname. His nickname was The Hammer. Clearly the crowds that were there at that time when they had celebrated them they knew they had to celebrate in a unique way, and they got palm branches. And they waved them back and forth for the hammer for Judas Maccabeus. So here we are 150 years forward from that day. And the Jewish people today are under another occupation, another oppression. But this time it's by the Romans in the Roman Empire. And so now they begin to go and grab the palm branches and they're waving them as Jesus is coming through on a donkey. Now a donkey is a sign of peace. If he was going to go into revolt, he would have been on a stallion. And yet, Jesus wept. Why? Because Jerusalem did not know who he, came, who he was, and why he came. He didn't come to overtake Rome. He came to overtake sin, to set us free from the claws of death. So let's read this unique, triumphal entry. It's here in John chapter 12, and we'll start at verse 12. It says, The next day, the news that Jesus was on the way to Jerusalem, swept through the city. A large crowd of Passover visitors took palm branches and went down the road to meet Him. 
And they shouted, praise God, blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hail to the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and rode on it, fulfilling the prophecy that said, Don't be afraid, people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming, riding on a donkey's colt. His disciples didn't understand at the time that he was, fulfill, was a fulfillment of prophecy. But after Jesus entered into his glory, they remembered what had happened and realized that these things had been written about him many in the crowd had seen jesus called lazarus now lazarus was his friend from the tomb or from the dead raising him from the dead and they were telling others about it verse 18 that was the reason so many went out to meet him because they had heard about the miraculous sign then the pharisees said to each other there's nothing we can do look everyone has gone after him, meaning Jesus. Now, I'm sure they didn't mean to as the Jewish people, but they got it all wrong. They thought that because Jesus had done so many miracles, that he spoke with such authority, that Jesus was going to lead a revolt against the Roman oppression, just like the hammer Judas Maccabeus had done. This is why they were waving those palm branches but they got it all wrong the reason the purpose of jesus is coming so that we could receive the forgiveness of sin friends next week is it's easter sunday it's a day when we celebrate the resurrection of jesus the christ and the fulfillment of the prophecies about jesus there were contemporaries and many who were educated and faithful people and they just did not recognize who Jesus was. In fact, they had no idea that He was the Messiah, that He actually was the Christ. For them, the sacrifice of Jesus' death and even His resurrection, it did not change them. It did not impact them. They missed it. What about you? Is this just going to be another Easter? Are you going to miss the beauty of Passion Week? So as I close, I, I, I want to bring some more challenging questions to you. How will the sacrifice of Christ change your life this coming week how let me ask you this what are some things that you need to let go of in order to give your time your talent your treasure so that you may experience the life of the gospel and sacrifice what area of life are you being called to a greater sacrifice a personal sacrifice this life of Christian disciples, this life of Christian discipleship is costly. It's a sacrifice. But remember that Christ is always with you. 
He will never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And most importantly, He's a rewarder for our faithfulness and even for our sacrifice. If not here, then there. Well, Father, I pray blessing on Your people. I pray, Father, we would be stirred up in our spirit, in our soul, and say, how am I as a disciple? Am I willing to be sacrificial? Or am I a consumer saying, I want more. Give me more, Jesus. Give me more, church. Give me this. Give me that. Or am I saying, Lord, how? How can I bless you and your kingdom? How can I bless the non-believer? How can I bless somebody else? How can I bless the church? Oh, God. Help me to be a true disciple of Jesus. Lord, I pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in us as it is in heaven. Lord, your will, your way, as we dive into this Passion Week. In Jesus' holy name, amen. God bless. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.